Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's-get-it-done realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our fields. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted. I am super excited today to have one of my coaches. Yes, Coach Ben Wilson. Say hi, Ben. How are you doing today, guys? Holy cow. It's such an honor to be on here, and I love it. You're one of my first students that's had me on to a podcast, so this is super cool for me. So I win. I win, everybody. <laughs> You're always the winner. <laughs> so Ben is in Nashville, Tennessee. So basically, if you put a pin in the center of Nashville and you go about 30 minutes out, he covers that service area, he and his team. So anyone you know that needs to go to Nashville, you're sending them to Ben Wilson because you, your clients will thank you. He's been a realtor for 20 years. I'm 28, so I beat you there, but he's killed it. So what I love about Ben is one, just a great phenomenal person. So he has a fantastic family. He has two kids. He's got a fantastic wife. He has an amazing business. He's a great coach. He's really helped me a lot with vision and leadership and, and really paying attention to what's most important to me and, and being true to myself. I think he's just really good at that. And so I wanted him to talk a little bit today about his journey. So, I mean, he could write a book on it. So we're not going to get into every step, but we're going to go through a couple of the major parts of his journey. We're going to start there. But, you know, if you ever get to connect with him or be coached by him, you are a lucky person. So Ben, talk about your journey a little bit. You know, I was thinking about it and I know we've talked a little bit about this, but if I broke it up into like two sections, I would have kind of two different ways of looking at it. The first one is real simple, right? The first 15 years of my business was all about success. How could I succeed? How could I win the game? How could I dominate? How could I accumulate, right? Then I went into halftime and I go, okay, I'm winning the game. And then I go into halftime, but I don't really feel good about winning the game yet. Like, I don't have that that sense of fulfillment. So I went into halftime for a couple of years trying to figure out where fulfillment, where, where like the joy would come from because I started losing joy, you know. And then now I'm in this beautiful segment of significance. And I love that. So success, spent a little time in halftime figuring out what fulfills me and now focusing on being significant in my life in some form or fashion to people that I care about and hopefully to a few people that I've never met. So we all start, right? When we start, it's really what survival, right? And we oh. just, we got to pay the bills, right? Everyone think, oh, realtors make so much money. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Are you sure you the first number of years you're just, oh, please, right? Like, and, you know, thankfully that commission is coming. So you, you start in survival, right? Then you kind of went into, I'm making money. This is great. You're accumulating. And then interestingly, when you go into halftime for me and you talk about fulfillment, it's because... We all think, right, when we start in real estate, right, it's like, if I could just make $20,000, and then you're like, if I could just make $40,000, right? And then if I could just, and we all just, that continues, right? Because funny enough, you, you'll you spend it or life changes. But if I could just make, I'd be happy at 300, right? It's this thought that this chasing of wealth is going to give us fulfillment. Now, don't get me wrong. As we know, it's great not to be in survival every day. That's a hard place to be, right? Where every month, it's just like, got to pay the bills. But to be able to then go, why am I doing this? What's driving me, right? What is next for me? Because you and I are the same way. So we were in a coaching program together. And when I started, it was like, I will crush. I have to crush. I will dominate, right? Like I will. I, I don't want to hurt anyone and I wouldn't, but man, you're going to lose. I would send you a picture of like if my call mates, it would be like the cheetah eating like the wildebeest. And I was like, like, I just was like, gotta win, right? 
And then you realize, well, that's not that fulfilling, right? Because there's always someone that's ultimately going to beat you. And, and ultimately, it just doesn't matter, right? Like being number one, if that matters to you, because that's your driver is fantastic, but it isn't what is going to make you sleep better or pay your bills, right? So it's like, you've got to figure out beyond being number one, which really, again, as soon as you leave town, you're not, right? So it's just depending on your microcosm. But for you, it was like, you started pouring in more to others, right? You coach not only sports, but people like me. And then you poured into your family and you've poured into your team and your team's a very interesting one. We're going to talk about that, but you've realized that kind of that next level, right? What's that fulfillment? And I think a lot of us listening should really think about that. Like we talk a lot about, about your why. And, and you know, when you start your why is like, cause I pay the bill, right? Like why I'm doing this is to pay the bills. Yeah. And then we say so many people like my family, but ultimately as time goes by, if you're still in that, I got to crush it mode and you're never home. Maybe it's not right. So I think we got to really take a true look, but for you, you really are into this pouring in phase, which has been fantastic for you and you love life. Yeah. When you talk about motivations, we all have motivations and we all, to be honest with you, I think we go through like these three or four different key motivations, right? You talked about survival. We all go through survival. Like it took me, I probably spent four years in survival. Oh, at right? least, yeah, no doubt. And then, going, and then going into that motivation of accumulation, right? I want to accumulate all the plaques and awards and money and <laughs> closings and whatever, right? I go into accumulation. And then you go into this world of, of, of what is enough, right? How do I get to just having financial security, right? And I think you get it one of two ways, either having a whole bunch of money in the bank, right? Or in investments, or having cash flow and maybe a combination of both. And for me, it was a combination of both. And when I got to that is when we got to what you're talking about, that final motivation, which to me became the fulfillment of life. It became yeah. the thing that filled me up every day that got me juiced to get out of bed. And that was the give back, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. So, I mean, I think that's where we all want to be, right? Like that's the goal for, for a lot of us. I think we think we won't get there. And I think it's maybe because we'll talk about why we're going to talk about some struggles and we're, I think it's vision being super clear on the why, right. And really living up to that and not, and being honest about it. Cause again, there's nothing wrong. If, if that stuff collection is the motivation right now, there's nothing wrong with that. It just can't be it forever, right? Like more stuff does not ultimately equal fulfillment in the end. So your team is super interesting, right? So we talk about team structures. Yours is a little different. So let's talk a little bit about like how your team is constructed, but why you did it that way. Yeah. So for me, I love partnerships. I never wanted to do anything on my own, right? Uh, as weird as that sounds, I always wanted to run the show. I'm very clear. I'm a, I am love being number one, right? Because I believe that I'm going to take care of people at the highest level. I believe that I have the shoulders to hold the weight that's necessary in order to, to do big things, right? But I hated doing it by myself. And so I came in and I've been taught a lot of different ways through the years, right? And you have a lot of people that come in and they start a team because they just don't want to work. Yep. Well, that's not me. I'm addicted to work. I love working. I'm going to be the 90, 95 year old guy just sitting there getting after it, you know, <laughs> doing something right. Because I love to work. And so then I, I went down and I built a team and then all of a sudden I didn't have to work much and it was miserable. Right. And so then I go, well, I think that there's a different model. And I started just playing around with the model. And so what I did is I created little, I think, you know, a lot of people in our industry, they call them buyer's agents, right? 
I never called them buyer's agents. I called them my real estate partners, right? I've called them that from the beginning. And I said, well, if they're really my partner and we do have a split, you know, like a lot of people, they come in and you have a split that's in, we're in partnership together. And so I said, what am I going to bring to the partnership and what do I expect from them in the partnership? And so what we did is we ended up basically birthing, right, partnerships, a lot of partnerships under one umbrella, one umbrella of protection, support, catering, right? And fundamentally, the one of the big problems in real estate is you got a lot of broke people or people who spend all their money. I now got to be basically the bank. I got to be the person that made sure that everyone continued to make money because that's one of the things I enjoy as well. And so we have these little pods or teams of three people, right? I have a lead agent who's my partner. And then we have two support staff, one support staff that helps them show houses, helps them administratively do all the paperwork, the contract to close. And then another one that just takes care of making sure they show up where they're supposed to, that does all of the little, the, the gifting, right? Scheduling appointments. They do all the, the, the calendar type of stuff. And they do the things that really allow you to go out there and be the best version of yourself. Because what are agents generally? They're very energetic. They're, they're connectors, right? They're people who love being around people. And then they have this support around them that allows them to just basically go do that more. And so that was what we've done was we've created basically six little mini teams that I just partner. And then based upon what they need, I coach them all, right? Um, I provide them the infrastructure and I provide them the financial blanket that a, a lot of realtors need along the way. Yeah. And I think they also need like that support, right? Because a lot of us to be successful, you have to be a generator. Like you got to meet people and generate leads, but so good at the paperwork and the details and the calendar and the whoopsie, I got to be at this appointment and I don't have the file. Like it's just the, the, you know, the chaos within. So to have that, you know, the contract to close help and have frankly that administrative, like executive assistant that, that keeps you where you're going, because we all are trying to do 50 things at one time. So those kind of little middle mini teams within the team, I think makes complete sense, obviously works well for you. They get to get coached by you, which is another thing we all need. We need mentorship. We need coaching. We need someone who knows how to run a PL, which is a lot of what you and I teach, right? Is, oh yes, money. You've got to actually pay those taxes, right? They are due. They, they, the IRS does mean it. And um, you you need to keep more than you make, which is the biggest problem with realtors, right? It's like, no, 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 you did not make that much. Right. <laughs> you gross that much. You did not make that much. So I think being able to really focus on that and, and to be in the office with you is fantastic. So I think really, look, teams work on, you know, there's so many different structures. There's not just one that works. There's bigger teams and smaller teams. And I think as long as you've got the, you're the generator, right? You're, you're kind of the leader and generator and, you, you know, don't assign off the biggest task, which is you better be able to, you know, bring business in and close it. Then however that structure works for them in, you know, their market, their area, whatever is, is possible. I mean, I think that there's not just a one size fits all and you've proven that. Well, and what's so cool is that because of partnerships, right, you get synergy. It's not two people accomplish twice as much as two people accomplish four or 10 or 100 times yep. more, right? And when you start to bring the right people together, it creates a multiplier that's so much bigger than sometimes we imagine because now the potential is just astronomical and limitless, in my opinion. And yeah. you get 
I remember when I first started my buyer's agents, you know, they wanted to do 3 million and 5 million, right? You know, and that's why I never liked that word. I felt like it was always just limited. And then all of a sudden I made them partners and like, I'm not even exaggerating it. I made them partners and I started programming the word partnership. I started helping them understand and truly believe in it because that's what it was. Right. And all of a sudden they go to $10 million. Oh, 15. I had one last year do 50. Uh Oh, it's crazy. (laughs) So now we have a model, right? Based on potential synergy and effectiveness, right? And partnership that can expand so much greater than what we would have ever done. And I'm a less is more guy. I don't want a hundred. I had agency. I had a brokerage that I was a part of. I was one of 10 owners in it and we had close to 200 agents. It was miserable to me. That's awful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Less is more. I want to go deep and I want to, I want to see people expand to, to areas and places that they couldn't have imagined. Yes. Agree. Less is, I do agree. Like I'm not a, like, you know, the more people, you know, again, synergy in that way is good, but I think it's chaos when you can't direct 200 people. And I don't mean boss them around. That sounds what, but it's hard to influence and lead and have 200 people with common ways, you know, 200 people are not going to all come together and, and say, yeah, this is how we want to do it. So I agree with that. So, all right, let's talk about, whew, Biggest struggles with realtors and lenders. You're hearing me say realtors, but let's just be clear. It's you two. But so we are both realtors. So we're going to say realtors and then you're just going to hear it and go, yep, me too. You're going to admit it. You're going to say yes. Yes, Ben and Marjorie, me too. But let's talk about, you said threefold. Biggest struggles with realtor in general. Let's talk about those. I would say the biggest struggle is a lack of standards, consistent standards. That's what I would say. Yes. Let's explain that. Cause when you say that it's like, yeah, cause standards can be many things, but you talked about some internal and external. So what's like an internal standard? Yeah. So a standard to me is a non-negotiable things that at the end of the day, and we'll talk, we'll start with internal and then go to an external, but an internal standard to me is I'm going to show up and I'm not just going to show up, but I'm going to show up big every day. Right. That's an internal non-negotiable standard. Right. And I, and, and the thing is, is that when we have standards, and I think in our industry, we see this a lot. I, I'll, I'll take it even further. I think in all industries, we see Agreed. this, right? That the companies that have clear standards, Chick-fil-A, clear standards, they dominate the marketplace, right? Another company that doesn't seem to have clear standards, maybe checkers, they don't tend to dominate, right? Yep. Because the standards are different. And when we can create not just standards, but high standards, and then we can pursue and execute at a high level of consistency, now we're doing something. And the realtors that I know in my life, you being one of them, that has extremely high standards, right? Those are the people that always become the outliers of the industry. And so I think that that's a big struggle for realtors and really for lenders. I think it's a big struggle for lenders, realtors more so because they're not governed by a W-2, right? Yeah. Oh, we can do what we want when we want. We can do what we want. We're our own balls, you know, and and our standards (laughs) cannot be driven. They cannot be driven by how we feel and our emotions. And that's unfortunately, I think, right? I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like going in the office today and I don't have to. I don't feel like making my phone calls, right? It is it is very, it's an emotional, that's our biggest right. problem, right? Internally is emotional. Like not that we can't be emotional beings, but our day cannot be driven by our emotions. Exactly right. And then we have the external, right? The external standards. Yes. And that is who you want to work with, 
what you are going to allow the people that you work with, the business partners, the vendors, the trades, right? The photographers, what standards do you have around them, right? Do you want liars? Nope. Well, have you ever actually written that down? I don't want liars in my life. I want high character people, right? And then how hard do you roll that line? Pretty hard. I, I'll never forget the story. I, I, I had a client, I'm not going to mention their names, but as a client that at their pinnacle, they treat, they always treated me fantastic, but they treated all the women in my office behind the scenes when I wasn't around terrible. Talk to them like dirt. Right. And I didn't know this and I did. I couldn't fathom this happening from this guy. And this guy did because he was an investor. Right. He did about four to five million a year with me, which is a lot. From is a one lot. Person, right. From yeah. one person consistently year over year. Right. And this went on for about a year, year and a half. And then finally, my team. Right. They started coming to me and they're like, hey, this just happened because they kind of protected because they thought because they were bringing in money yep. that they that they didn't want me to know because they knew how I would respond. Well, I had a standard. People aren't going to talk to my people, right, in those type of ways. They're not going to to be ugly and talk down and all the nasty things Agreed. that people want to do. And so I'll never forget by having that standard, right, calling him up and saying, I'm never going to let you talk to my team that way. It's not tolerated in front of the two people that he was talking to. And he says, I'm good. You know, I'm fine. I was having a bad day. I said, I understand. And here's how I'm going to guarantee that you're never going to talk to him because we're not doing business together anymore. And my team got to see that my standards, right? Those external standards that we have became protection. Yeah. And in our business as realtors, we have to have two things. We have to have a protective measure and we have to have a profit and prospecting measure, right? Protection, yeah. structure and support and processes, but those are standards as well. And I think having those standards, if we raise the level that we have or simply have some, yeah. don't just lie and say, oh my gosh, I just want to be free. I don't want to think about that stuff. You know where freedom comes from? Structure, standards, <laughs> all of those things. Yeah, it's totally true. Because I think like we we have a clear list of our ideal client. I think everyone should have an ideal client and an ideal sure. business partner. And and I fired someone yesterday. I mean, listen, men were in a market where listings were important. This was two of them. And it was like, oh, no, I won't say a bad word. But I was like, I'm not your, you know, you can imagine. Yeah. And it was like, we're not going to be talking to me like, yeah, I'm sorry. And I said, you know, I think you need to go find someone you can boss around. And, you know, I'm going to release you from this agreement and, and look, I need the money. Everyone does. We need the business right now, but it's like, I'm not going to allow someone to treat me that way. I'm just not. The moment, my team the, is moment, the, same. the moment you identify a standard to a dollar is the moment that you are now something that has a max value. Yeah. I don't want to ever have a max value. No. I want to also have the misery, as you know, the misery, like, and you know, when someone talks to you like that from the first phone call and your gut's like, hmm, could have been, a, you know, there could have been an off day. And then I'm like, oh, it wasn't, you know, it's like, I'm just, we, it's not worth it. And I think that's something. So standards, right. That's a structure. And that, and that, well, the next one is structure. I just gave it away, uh, <laughs> but that's something. So let's talk about structure. The second one. Yeah. Structure. You know, when we talk about structure and when we talk about things that realtors struggle with. We could go into a lot of different things. And, and I'm definitely an overstructure because I learned that I get my freedom through having immense structure, right? 
But if we just started with simple fundamental rhythms and habits and processes and structures, the first one I'd start was having a start time, literally having a start time. I think that realtors want to start whenever they feel like it, right? Yeah. Some mornings, some mornings they're super energized, emotion, right? And they start at six o'clock in the morning. They get on the MLS and they start searching and they start calling or emailing and sending out because they're motivated, right? Having a simple start time, Marjorie, I think is a game changer. And I, without overcomplicating anything, simply have a start time. I don't care. Like I have people in my office because I, I tell them all the things that we'll talk about today. I coach them on it. I hold them accountable to it. But Sarah Best starts every day at seven. I start every day at nine. I start at the office every day at nine o'clock. I might some days just come in for 30 minutes and then be gone the rest of the day. But I come in and I have a start. It's not a phone call. It's not a Zoom. It is a true go to an office start time. Yeah. And I think that if realtors structure that starting point in their life, then they can build upon that and create other structures around protection and profit. But also, like if we're going to go that route, then an end time, because how many people do we both coach that? You know, the family spouses, either way, it doesn't matter if it's a woman or man. Quite frankly, this isn't gender specific in any way. It's like you promise you'll be, you just don't have a I'm done time either. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have our agreed upon, I have to do a listing appointment on maybe Tuesday, Thursday nights. But, you know, they're working all the time and there is no stop time. There's no family time, right? And you're doing it for your family. So a stop time, I think, right? A hard stop and, you know, is as important as a start time. I agree. Having the bookends, right? Yeah. Like bookends. You're, then, you're never going to okay. go to a masseuse. You're never going to go get a massage, right? Because they're professionals, right? Or you're never going to go to a, a therapist or a counselor and sit down and just show up when you want to and leave when you want to. <laughs> no. And when you're, even if you're not done the massage, they are. They're like, dip, 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 done. Yeah. See you later. Here's your robe. You've got Ding. some little cucumber water. Bye-bye. <laughs> no, yeah, it's I think true. That- yeah. And, and and so all professionals have a beginning and an end, right? They don't just let things in, but we tend to not do that. Like, and I know I've certainly fall prey oh, to that, me too. right? But we tend not to do that. And when we choose to do that, we then let on the front and the backside of these start and stop points, right? What we do is we give value to the things that matter on those side. And if we're really honest, like I have something called a perfect work week. I know you're very familiar with that. It's just time blocking, which I think is a great skill to learn. But if you look at a perfect work week, the frame, all of the blocks on the outside, the weekends, the start before you start and the end, right? That's all the things that matter most. Yep. Agreed. Not the, not the picture in the middle. The picture can change, but the frame shouldn't change. It Agreed. really should. So I mean, that is definitely a struggle. And then, ooh, follow up. Now, I, you and I could probably talk about all the, I mean, I've gotten listings just because I called back. I mean, really, like that's not yeah. because I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you're the only one who called back. Are you kidding? Right? Like, <laughs> yay. And I say, like, or I called, they're like, you called first. I'm like, well, I win. I'll call the other two back if you want, because- Hey, I'm I'm obviously the most interested. I mean, I just, how do we not now again, we are not perfect beings. There can be, oh my gosh, I didn't get this voice. I mean, things happen. Like it, if it's a one-off, it is that you had an issue, right? Like there was a life change, but when you're never following up, it's not a one-off. It is just, and then you're spending all this time working to generate leads that you don't follow up on. That's the craziest, but 
follow up on, again, like an appointment, follow up on the market analysis you promised, follow up on the, you know, phone call, anything, any follow up, like it's, that is, we're t- or as you know, we close and it's like, then who, right? And who that, right? Like we never follow up. It's, it's crazy to me how that is, but that's where you can also get, when you're really bad at it, you have someone help you with it. That's it. And that's okay. It's called leverage, right? The keys to the kingdom. In so our you, world, that is, world. you are the king. Like, honestly, leadership and leverage, those are your, like, if you wear two little crowns, your, your crowns oh. are leadership and leverage, dude. You, you have, you have, I mean, honestly, perfected them. I'm like oh. the baby, like the, you're like Yoda and I'm whoever the, I don't know, baby, <laughs> I don't know the same person, but I'm not Yoda. <laughs> I, I appreciate you saying that, but it comes from a lot of failure. Just so you know, the, the desire oh. came from not wanting to you know, always be overwhelmed. The desire came from not wanting to be a poor leader anymore. You know, well, I'm just saying we all, we, th- there's though, but there's two parts. So while I'm going to agree with you, the fact is though you, we learned something and you put it in action. Cause I think most of us, like, let's be honest, the people that we coach, do we generally give them some information that they're like, I have never heard, you know what you should follow up. Oh my gosh follow up. That's, you know, they've heard it and you and I both know it, but it's the implementation, right? So you make the mistake over and over is the definition of insanity, right? Like doing the same thing over and over and thinking it'll work this time you've implemented. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? The the implementation is another struggle. We know what we have to do. We just don't do it. Right. And that's That's something that you've clearly done. That's why I've always loved being coached, right? I probably love being coached, believe it or not, more than coaching to some extent because I know that I'm going to have an opportunity to grow and have an opportunity to be reminded of things that I already know. Yeah. That's what a lot of coaching is, is just being reminded of this call today is going to be a reminder for most everybody. just a reminder. And you look at it and it's building blocks, right? What we just talked about, those three frustrations, struggles, you know, issues that realtors, business people, lenders have, right? It's a building block. And you can't have a great structure in your life until you have standards. You can't have a great, right, follow-up until you have structure. Yeah. So you can't have a great business until you learn how to follow up. And so it's a progression, (laughs) right? Right. But so many people go, I just want a great business and I'm really good. I can't tell you how many times that you probably heard this before. Like, I love looking at houses and people love me. I sh- I think I'd be a great realtor. Oh, absolutely. You should do it. Yep. You, yes. It's going to work for you. <laughs> you know, but again, oh. I mean, it's helpful. I mean, that yeah. people love yeah. you is key because if they hate you, it's not going to work. But yeah, there's just, I think, again, I think it's a lot of people go to closing and like, look how much you make. And you're like, mm-hmm. it's that instant, like you and I both, right? Instant successes. It's 28 years and I'm still chugging, right? Like it's still learning every day. Every day, every day. And so I love it. I do I too. It. Oh, and I, like I said, this is such an opportunity. Like right now, if we're not thinking about our opportunities versus, you know, everyone that's like, oh, this market's so hard. It is. And the rates are tough, but what are the opportunities? Because they're there, right? So if we can just change our mindset and say, what are my opportunities? Like today, I had an opportunity to talk to you. I have an opportunity to like, I've taken, I have so many notes. I have hundreds of pages of notes from podcasts that I'm like, oh, I get to adopt that. And how did I forget that? And yes, right? Like I write things, I'm going to read that book. I mean, it's fantastic. The opportunity. You know, in, in the investment world right now, opportunity zones are a big hot topic, right? In the world of investing, the greatest investment that we make is into ourselves, right? I'm telling you, these type of markets that we, anytime there's a pullback or something that's intentionally pulling back, 
right? And causing us to be pulled back. These are opportunity zones for us. Yes. And what we do. They are clear opportunity zones, but you got to be open to it. You got to be paying attention. You and you have to be pursuing them too. Yeah. Right. I agree. So tell me, yeah. so it's funny, I, we, you and I talked about your biggest struggles and, and people are going to be like, Ugh, because they're, you know, when I, when, as soon as I say this, you know, the expectation, what the expectation, the struggles are, but yours are actually, it's a struggle, but they're fantastic in a way. Like when you explain, uh, people understand, but your biggest struggle right now is there's so many, too, there's too many good things that you don't have time to be part of all of them. That's a pretty good, I mean, again, it's still a frustration, but man, if everyone could say there are just too many good things that I can't take advantage of as a struggle, I think people would be pretty it happy to talk like, about that. It sounds so terrible. Like, would you say it? I was like, oh, it sounds <laughs> like, blah. People want to throw up when they hear that, right? <laughs> but I was actually, I was talking to Sarah Beth, right? And you know Sarah Beth. And we were talking sure, and, yep. I was, and I asked her this question just because of how I felt in the moment. And I was like, can you have too many good things coming at you? And... I think you can. I think that you, it's for someone like me, I'm a people pleaser. I love, love, love people, right? And when I can't be there or be a part of something, it's not FOMO, it's connectivity, right? And I know the energy that when I get asked to do something or an opportunity comes and I can't be a part of it, I feel like I don't get the chance to get energized, like the shock blades don't jump on me or the pallets don't come or pet or paddles, whatever they are, right? They don't come on. And I miss that opportunity. And that I struggle with, right? Because I don't get to connect potentially with someone. I right. But also, but as you know, like you, you're into big, deep. So I think it is a struggle, but it is, you can have too many. Cause if, again, if you're spread too thin in a good way or a bad way, right? Like we can have too many bad things. So we're spread too thin, but if you have too many places, it's sort of like, okay, I want to give back to my community. I'm going to join 10 boards and I'm going to be the president, right? So I'm going to ultimately do no good for any of them because I've overcommitted, right? It's the same thing with too many people that want our time and attention. It's like, I'm going to give such a small sliver to this great mass of people that it is a bad thing versus I've got to shrink that down and give more of me, right? You, you, there's only so much time and energy in, in a day, right? So I think when you say, could that be bad? Yeah. Because I think, again, we we overcommit, right? And then it's, we didn't really feel like we made a big difference in any of them. And I think a lot of us do that. We can't say no. And so we we either, you know, too many appointments or whatever it is. And then you're just running from one to the other without a true investment in any of them. It just triggered a, a memory of mine. And it was a game changer, probably one of the greatest gifts that my wife has ever given me. And it was right after she got diagnosed with MS. Here's the gift she gave me. She gave me the gift of focus. And here's what she told me. I said, baby, what can I do to help you? Because we had read, I had read, and stress, high levels of stress and high levels of exposure to heat are the triggers, right? And so I said, how can I help you other than not taking you to the beach every weekend, right? How can I help you minimize your stress? And I said, what stresses you the most? She says, the fact that you go all the time. She says, will you just pick one lane and stay in it. And at the time I was developing, I was building, I was flipping, I was had a title company. I mean, we had all this stuff going and a real estate company, right? And the gift was, she said, can you just choose one thing? And instead of being good, right? Right, which is the greatest enemy of great. Right. And I love yeah. being great. You probably see that, right? I love, I want to be great. 
she gave me the gift of understanding what greatness looked like. And that was to be focused on one thing. So for the reason that it's frustrating is because one, I can't be everywhere and I know I can't, right? No I can't, can't do everything. And so that's, that's the reason that that's a big frustration for me, but that gift was unbelievable because she taught me the value behind it. Yeah. Cause again, I mean, we, we have all these ideas and all these aspirations and, you know, we want to help lots of people. So, I mean, I think it's all good, but you are correct. I mean, then it's like, we've made a, a smaller contribution than we can. Right. So let's talk about strengths. What, what would you say are your strengths? Oh, my heart. I think my heart is a big strength. I think the way I love people, the way I care about people, especially people that I'm in deep relationship with, I think that's a big strength for me. Uh, and, and here's why I wouldn't have said that before, because I'm also in the same one of my biggest weaknesses is compassion. <laughs> so <laughs> they sound counterintuitive and, and, and as if they wouldn't go together. Right. But what what I've learned is that when I share my heart, people pay attention. People are more impacted because their assumption for many, many years is that I was just callous and hardcore and driven only on success and didn't have a desire to really care about other people for so long. And that was never the case. It was just the, the focus. Perception. You know? Yeah. It was the perception. Yeah. And so my heart is a big quality of mine now. Mm -hmm. And I think That's we talked a little bit about your desire to learn and give value. And I think that desire to learn is key, right? So I've talked to many people now on this, and I think this I don't have it all figured out. Every day is an opportunity to learn. Something is so important. I think if any of us ever think I've made it, right? Like I got this. It's just not right. Like I think that when we stop thinking, I got to read about this. I need to take this class. I should, I should really hone up on this, right? I need to, I need to really revisit this. I got to, I've got to work on this. That kind of I've made it no desire to learn is a stagnation, right? So I think knowing that every day it's like, I've got to learn this. Like, you know, these conversations for me have been humongous gifts, right? Can it's like imagine? this, yeah. this gift of really getting to, to, to glean from people has been fantastic, but the, the heart and the desire to learn is a common thread, right? I think if you look at people who say, gosh, I have so much to learn. And then you talk to other people, we are like, you have a lot to learn. And they're like, I got this. Right. So I think this constant knowing that there's more to learn and there's, I can help others is, is kind of that important thing. I think that keeps you on top of your game. Yeah. And, and what's really cool. And, and when I was young and, and I was having a little bit of, you know, short-term success, I'll call it, I had people speaking into me, you know, I had leaders and mentors that were speaking into me and they all would say similar things and they would all be like, Hey, you're just building a foundation right now because it's in your fifties and sixties when you're going to truly dominate life. And what they were telling me is that in at 40, I was going to actually realize that I didn't know much. And it took me to about 40 to realize I didn't know much. And that's when the desire became heavy for me. I went from reading maybe three or four books and having deep conversations with probably call it 20 people a year. So that's all I think about is what's the next book I'm going to read and what's the next deep conversation that I can have with somebody that I value. Yes. Right. And it's like, holy cow, I can't get enough. Yep. I got a young, 
I got a young man. He's 24, just finished up an MBA from Vanderbilt. And literally, I can't wait till I see him again next. He was just at my house and I can't wait. And I just listened to him. I just listened to him talk. And it's awesome. Yeah. But he's yes. there thinking I'm supposed to feed into him. I'm like, no, no. No, You're keep talking. <laughs> keep I teaching. Yeah, that's no, right. I think that's the key, right? And that's surrounding yourself with these people, right? And we're going to get into that now because- one thing about you that's super clear and you teach this and you've got a great, my gosh, you're like your VIP pyramid and how you, how you work your and VIPs. And when I say work them, that I don't mean like work them in the classic, like, Oh, what can I get from you? That's not what I mean, but your dedication to your closest relationships. We all think of them as VIPs and they are and how you have built your business and frankly, your life on these relationships. Right. So walk us through a couple of like, so if I'm, We've all heard it again. No one on here is like, oh, I should, I should have great business partners. I should have VIPs. I should care more about people. This is not new, but let's walk through kind of how you do it. But also if I'm going to get started on it, right? If I'm listening right now, I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to commit. I've heard it 68 million times. And now I'm going to listen. Give me a couple qualities on these VIPs, but where, how do I get started? If I'm like, I'm going to commit now, Ben has convinced me I'm going to commit to working with my VIPs. I think the, the first place is kind of going back to standards. We talk about having standards in life, right? You have to have a profile or a standard of what the ideal client looks like, right? If I was running a football team or a basketball team, I have a profile of the players that need to play for me and win ball games, right? Yeah. And win championships. And I think we need the same thing in our business, right? You don't get to you don't get all the best players at first, right? But if you don't have an ideal player that you want to play with, an ideal client that you want to play with, right, then I think you miss the mark, right? So creating standards around that. So for me, mine, I have three and I'd love to share them. I want competitive clients, right? I want clients that are already driven, right? They're driven internally to just be better every day and to be the best version of themselves and to accomplish as much as they possibly can. And then high character, you know? Yeah. I don't want to ever, and th these are my clients, these are my teammates, these are, you know, anybody in our companies, these are all parties involved. That's what I want around me because here's the thing, when I struggle, right, when I start to question things, I have all these people as examples to me as well because they're surrounding me. But having that ideal client and then identifying them, what happens is, and if you take care of them, they start to bring you more people like them because they get energized too from those same type of same type of things. And so one of the biggest mistakes I made as I was building the VIP, as you know, this is something that has been a journey, right? Oh yeah. And it started off as account pyramids and all kinds of, you know, lists and things of that nature. And then for me, I just wanted to treat people like they were the best people in the world. And I can't treat crappy people like they're the best people in the world. I don't do care. You want to. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, if they're not honest, if they don't appreciate you, I mean, that's again, coming to those, those non-negotiables. And then it's not just clients, right? It's your business partners. It's your hires. It's Everybody. all those people in your circle, right? That give you the energy, but as well as you get to work with. And then you, as you said, it like attracts people like, you know, it's like when, if you get a great client, whenever I get to work with a great client, one of my favorites, I'm like, just please send me anyone that you're connected with because 
because I know they're going to be great like you. Like, you know, if you, if one gets through that, you're like, oh, that was a disaster. I never sit at close and say, please send me all your friends and family. I'm like, nope, because they're going to be miserable too. <laughs> like, I, I'm going to send those to somebody else. I want those people that, again, I want the energy. I want the joy. I want the satisfaction of getting to help them and that, that we're in this kind of journey together, right? Not that I'm battling you or you're shopping me or you don't appreciate me. That's just exhausting, right? Like, I think that if we put that out there and and have those people around us, they naturally also attract those people. And, and you know, what's so funny is that for many years, as I compiled this profile and compiled this list for many years, I left three of the most important people off of the list unintentionally, but just assumed right? That they would do business, my wife and my children. I left them off the list. I didn't put them on the list, right? In addition to that, I left my team off the list. And what happened, this was a, this was a huge shift in our business. I put my wife, my wife didn't refer business for like four or five years to us. Not because she didn't believe in our company or anything. She didn't feel like a VIP and she didn't know she didn't feel like a VIP. It wasn't important to her. I put her on the list and now she refers like one of her goals this year is to refer to our team, right? And my partners, 18 closings. That's not bad. Let's do that. That's, how awesome is that? Right? Right. My kids, my kids right now, they refer tons of people. I have three people in our company right now that were referrals that were either coaches or teachers of my kids that now work with us, right? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Well, we forget, again, this is where people like you put your, like your family on there. Yes. Because I need to also call, you know, I need to make sure I'm calling them regularly. I'm taking great care of them because we're all so quote unquote busy, the worst word that if we're not taking care of those people, right? Like the most important people, then, then people get surprised when someone's like, oh, you know, my friend referred, didn't refer me their aunt. You're like, well, did they even know you need that? I mean, we could spend hours on this, but I think that VIP list is the center of your world personally and in your business. And I think it's the biggest thing that realtors and lenders both don't focus. On. It's almost like an afterthought versus the backbone of their business. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is they also subconsciously see you doing things for other clients. Yes. And not, not for them. doing things, not doing things for them. And subconsciously they start to create resentment towards your other people too. Yeah, that's true. That was right? one thing that actually I saw happen, Ooh. right? She's like, you just did this for this person or gave this person this gift or went and had lunch or dinner with them. I'd like to have lunch with you sometime, babe. Yeah. Right? You're like, oh, uh, yeah. Gonna make a change. Yeah, don't do that again. <laughs> All right, speaking. Okay, so let's talk about some lenders listening to. By the way, guys, this is also for you. Lender, realtor, realtor, lender. It's not exclusive. Let's talk about some lender pet peeves. Now the lenders are like, oh, what's a pet peeve that lenders should not do that you have? Oh my gosh, this is the number one for me. Man, a tit for tat, right? You give, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, right? The whole, let me count, I got three beans and you only got two, right? I, I mean, I despise that. And there are so many lenders out there that think that it's just about making things equal. There is no such thing as equality. I know people in this world want equality. There's no such thing right? As equality, there's just being your best. Yeah. So that's, that's for you. you yeah. And so, so that's for me, that's a huge pet peeve. 
Okay. So yeah. And also, so I know we talked about this too. So, okay. How many lenders are calling you and coming and looking after your business right now? How many are chasing you? And I have had, I'm going to, I'm going to break it down to the last 12 months. In the last 12 months, I've had three. Okay. So all the lenders are like, everybody's chasing all the realtors false. And yeah, you've had three. I, I've had, I've had maybe three. Two, of, two of them are from out of state. Yes, me too. Me too. Where it's like, ah, oh. but for me, the second thing that's weak because we talked about that's kind of weak is is the texting. Hi, I've heard you're a realtor. I'd love to meet you. And I'm like, who that? Like, if you're gonna, so now let's flip it. So how would they get a meeting with you? Because again, the next question they're all that all the lenders are saying, and I'm not trying to group you all, but is all right, realtors, you all say this. How do they get a meeting with you, Ben? This is uh, for me personally. If you show interest and start showing interest and showing value to my team members, my partners, you're going to get a chance with me. Yep. If I have Sarah Beth or if I have Blake or if I have Whitney or if I have anybody in my company come to me and be like, I mean, this guy, he's done this. He calls me. He shares these beautiful little, you know, uh, inspirational quotes with me. He, he called me because he found out it was my daughter's birthday and he called me and he did a video to my daughter for her birthday. Like if they're creating value in people that I care about, you're going to get a chance with me. Yes. So it's not the cold test because it's not the, I'm hoping that I don't really have to interact with you, but then maybe could meet you. Right. So they care about your people. They show up. Like you also said, show up, meet your assistant, like show interest and, you know, be brave is probably the biggest key, right? If this is a relationship that matters a lot to you, you got to be brave. So yes, there are going to be some people that are going to be rude to you. I think that's unacceptable. I would never be rude to someone. I would maybe not meet with them, but I'm not going to be rude. But there, you got to get past the weak and the fear if the relationship's important enough and a connection is always key. I think it's important because again, as, as we're listening, as people are listening and saying, okay, I, I, you know, I, I'm scared to call realtors, which always makes me laugh. Cause I mean, other than the fact, I guess we could hang up we can't, we're not going to bite them. Right. Like, I don't know too many people going to the hospital with bite marks on them from their realtor calls, um, but like beyond that, it's like, be a little brave if the relationship's important you know, you try more than once and it's not because I'm a realtor and you're a lender or, you know, the we're both top producers doesn't mean yeah, I, I don't care. What's the commonality? What's the interest? Right. And, you know, be a little brave in, in, in chasing after a relationship if it's important to you. You know, we've been so fortunate to be around literally some of the best lenders and realtors in the world. Like yeah. it's unbelievable. And all of them, all of them, even the ones that are callous and want to make business business and home home, all of them want actually to share some of their pain so they can release it, some of their healing so they can release it, some of their struggle and baggage. They all want to share that. And so when someone comes to me, like I had a lender that was, you know, pursuing me, right? And this was a long time ago, but I just always remember this. He had a chance because he opened up to me over a lunch about how he cheated on his wife and it was the biggest mistake in the world that he'd ever made, right? And how he is going to spend the rest of his life showing her her value, right? And we went down that road. But to open up, like he didn't know me like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to open up, like, and he shared that with me and he had a chance, right? But guess what? The only thing he missed the mark on was follow-up. Yeah, no, If he no. followed up with me, if he would have followed up, 
he would have had my business. But isn't it funny? Like if you're going to go through all that and you're going to face your fear and you're going to have the meeting and the meeting goes well, and obviously the meetings, if you're both like, I would like to throw my fork at you, you probably don't follow up. But if it's a great meeting, how is there no next meeting or thanks for meeting me? Or I would love to find out how to refer to your team or whatever, you know, I'd love to, you know, you talked about a book club. Let's, I'd love to read some books or let's recommend. I mean, you've got to, because I mean, all of sales is follow up, right? Connection and follow up. And again, guys, if you're not going to follow up, then you probably don't even need to make the first call. Then you don't have to worry about your fear. <laughs> right. That's the truth. There's no point. It's it's always mind blowing, but you know, and I'm not suggesting going out there and telling all your deep dark secrets. Yeah, 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 yes. Don't start cheating but on your I spouses. am saying yeah. find a way to go deeper, right? Yes. Find a way to share a little bit of pain. We talk about that, right? Sharing a little bit of pain is going to cause a draw and attractiveness because no one wants to feel like, and we all have pain. We all have baggage. No one wants to feel like they're on the island of baggage island, right? Yeah. No, no, we all have it. So let's share a little bit. But again, what are you struggling with right now? I mean, everyone's got some struggles now. How can I help you? You know, is there anything that I can do or, you know, and someone I can connect you with? I mean, there are ways that we can all help each other. So yeah, that's great. Ben Wilson. All right. So you're going to move to Charlottesville, which is fantastic. He's really not, but you, you should. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your time with everyone listening. It was a gift and I always appreciate you. And thank you so much for joining me today on Real Estate Unscripted. I love it. I love it. Promise me one thing. I promise. You're going to go be great. Yes. And you too. Thanks, Ben. Be girl. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and home buyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender, NMLS ID number 40508, org. Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.